Hi, good evening. This is Terry's Bedtime Stories. I have a story for you tonight about uh, an adventure that I had last summer. I went and uh, stayed for a month, 30 days, in a monastery with the Sisters of St. Gertrude's. It was a writing residency program, and it was fabulous. Not only did I meet great people, but I had an opportunity to just hide myself away and write and think and and uh, discover new things. Uh, so I wrote this story, The Mountain, The Sisters of St. Gertrude's and Me, uh, to kind of um, talk about what that was like and the things that I discovered. Here is my story. After the pandemic, I cloistered myself with Catholic nuns at St. Gertrude's Monastery in Idaho for 30 whole days and nights. I'm not Catholic. I don't know anything about their Benedictine order, uh, but I was tired of staying home, of wearing a mask and taking little rambles nearby home. I wanted to do something large for a change, so I applied to their Artists in Residence program. The only thing they asked for in exchange for room and board was that I write and at the end make a presentation to the sisters. Aren't you nervous? A month is a long time. What do you know about them? My husband, the professor, ventured. Sister Teresa, the kind but harried, no-nonsense sister in charge of the program, said, just write. You don't have to believe like we do. We get tired of just being around each other all the time. We like to meet new people. Well, their offer was irresistible. I would have uninterrupted time to contemplate and write, to mull over how post-pandemic, I would structure my life and future to travel and write more, to think more. How terrible could it be to live in a monastery? My knowledge of nuns was limited to what I'd seen on TV and what I'd heard from Catholic kids. I'd never met one, but I heard they picked on kids, pulling their ears and wrapping their knuckles for rulers, or with rulers for misbehaving. They were mean, I'd heard. But I'm an adult, I reasoned. I could always leave if my worst expectations materialized. So with the professor's blessing, I filled two suitcases and drove north through Idaho along the dry, rocky Snake River Canyon from the mountain into the Pacific time zone and up Whitebird Pass onto the green Camas Prairie. There, on the shoulder of the prairie, sat St. Gertrude's Monastery, a stone castle-like edifice overlooking the expanse. Sister Teresa brought me to my room at the end of a long, silent hall on the fifth floor. It was basic, a single, narrow bed, writing desk, an upholstered rocking chair, and a private bath. White walls, no pictures. Outside my windows, though, was a dense canopy of trees surrounding the monastery. The sunrises on the prairie were raspberry and orange sherbet-colored masterpieces, and bird songs were operatic. The nuns were unlike my expectations. They were kind and tolerant of my formerly Baptist self, inclusive. They explained unfamiliar terminology, and some told me they had hated wearing hot, scratchy habits before the church declared them unnecessary. 
Benedictines, they said, are independent from the Roman Catholic Church. These nuns love to laugh and tell stories. One of them said shit, and no one except me batted an eye. Most were elderly. Two of them joined the monastery the year I was born. We did dark dishes, that's pots and pans, together nightly and talked about stuck-on cheese and potatoes and how much dish soap to use. We watched the nightly news together on overstuffed couches. One night, a sister who used a walker and I baked until 10 o'clock at night for retreatants. Appropriately, we made two angel food cakes and heavenly hash cookie bars. We also made an inappropriate chocolate cake that the sister said had been called better than sex cake, to which another sister later scoffed. How would she know? The sisters had a serious side too. They invited me to join them for morning, midday, and evening praise, vigils, and the Eucharist. They weren't offended when mostly I didn't. Each wore a gold band on her left hand, signifying her symbolic marriage to Christ. They kept silent at breakfast and prayed before supper and dinner. They observed feast days to celebrate saints, typically with dessert. These rituals bring them closer to God, they told me. One day at lunch, I, I grinned. Do you carry rulers? The sisters at my table guffawed. No, but I heard that sister so-and-so used to throw erasers at her students, lobbed a gray, red-haired sister, the feisty one. The gullible sister squealed. No, really? We roared. After every meal, the sisters put away leftovers and washed dishes. Unless confined to the second floor care unit, everyone had a chore. They supervised employees, housekeeping, kitchen, nursing, and grounds maintenance, contractors. They worked in the laundry, took out the trash and recycling. Um, they planted and tended the garden and helped care for infirmed sisters on a dedicated second floor of the monastery. They planned fundraising celebrations and festivals, maintained a large library, ran the artist-in-residence program, and even managed a sustainable forestry program on the mountain behind the monastery. I was curious about the forestry program, so taking a break from writing three weeks into my residency, I decided to go up the mountain to see what I could see. Oh, I'm so glad you're going up tomorrow, a sister enthused. It's really special. You're really going to enjoy it. So the next morning, while the halls of St. Gertrude's Monastery were yet as silent as a tomb, I slipped out, easing the heavy metal front door back into place behind me. No one was up yet, save the cook. I smelled bacon cooking and knew it wouldn't be long before whispering footfalls of the sisters, one sweet elderly monk and monastery staff would fill these halls. They'd follow their noses to the cafeteria where they'd eat as silently as they walked. I like bacon, but I kept my date with the mountain. I assumed the sisters had been talking about the view from the mountaintop where the rolling hills and the camas prairies Brilliant green wheat and bright yellow canola fields covered the valley, off into the distance like a quilt. I'd been too busy riding to go see, but I had a lot to think about. After my lengthy pandemic-induced hiatus from traveling, I needed to contemplate the future 
and my reasons for writing. It couldn't just be for fun and self-gratification anymore. There had to be more. But as the door clanged shut, I wasn't asking these questions, not yet. Instead, I gauged the likelihood of rain. Leaden skies, crisp air, no breeze. Mid-June, it should have been hot already. But I'd put on an extra shirt to capture my body heat. I paid attention to the morning doves and 50 other kinds of birds singing overhead in the canopy. As I cut across the grass, I harvested dew-like diamonds on the toes of my shoes. On the narrow road leading up the mountain next to the orchard where the cherries were almost ripe, I saw deer tracks and I wondered if deers, deer like cherries. I listened to the crunch of the skiff of road base that had been pushed to the outside of a curve of the road by someone driving too fast. Just past the orchard, I saw what looked like little houses with roofs, interpretive signs with glass fronts, dioramas. Inside each were colorful statues of Jesus, the Virgin Mary, and others, stations of the cross, 14 of them, commemorating Jesus' progression from life to crucifixion. Next to each was a large stone placed there for praying pilgrims. I skipped a few of them ahead of me along the road when a sign next to a trail leading into the forest seduced me to visit the garden grotto. The grotto, according to an engraved rock next to the trail, was quiet, as I imagined the Garden of Gethsemane must have been before it was filled with anguish and weeping. St. Gertrude's Garden Grotto was built in honor of key benefactors. Lining the path were large rocks engraved their names. Then, behind low rock walls and an iron gate, was the open-faced grotto, a chapel. Set into the earth like the monastery, it was built of stacked stones quarried from the mountain. Inside was an alabaster-colored statue of Mary, other statues, an altar, and aqua-colored pews with hard wooden kneeling benches. The ceiling was made of boards barked still on from trees on the mountain. The atmosphere was subterranean and peaceful. I could feel the weight of cumulative prayers that had been often there, but the only sounds that morning were birds. And then I was drawn further up the mountain as if by an insistent hand placed inside my own. Beyond the chapel, the crushed rock path ended. A narrow trail continued before rejoining the road and the rest of the dioramas above. I pushed my way through tall grass and weeds, drinking in shades of green and waving pink and blue wildflowers. I held seed heads of grass between my thumb and forefinger, reaching them for, a, for them as I passed. I smelled the pine trees. Then in a clearing were two pillars with trumpet blowing angels on top. It was the entrance to the cemetery, a sign said, established in 1908. In front of me were the headstones of almost every sister who had ever lived at St. Gertrude's and two men, brothers who in their day lived there too. In the back were rows and rows of tall headstones topped with crosses. In the front were rows and rows of shorter polished granite headstones in front of them. The cemetery was only three quarters full. 
three temporary markers reminded me of the sisters who died this year. I attended mass for one of them the week after I arrived. In the center of the cemetery was a statue of Jesus on the cross encircled with white rock. Embedded in the white rock were the headstones of the four nuns who came to America from Switzerland and founded St. Gertrude's. Suddenly, seeing the cemetery, I understood why the mountain was special. There are now more sisters buried above than remain alive below. Theirs is a dying way of life. Not many young women will be nuns anymore. It must be discouraging, I thought. But the silent testimony of the sisters up the mountain contradicted me. It said that the sisters below persist in their calling to honor their faith and to honor them, that great cloud of witnesses on the mountain. The living sisters of St. Gertrude were and are flame keepers for what they hold true and for those who on the mountain have gone ahead. They tend to flame, they would call the eternal life of Christ in union with the Benedictine order. The sisters below would persist until they were physically unable or there were none left, I was convinced. Until that morning, I understood only that the sisters were not who I thought them to be. I was guilty of not having been curious not asking what they knew that I didn't. I'd held them at arm's length. What I hadn't considered was that I would never understand them if I didn't know what they valued. Suddenly, standing on the mountain, I did, and I realized I wasn't there to learn about the forest management or to see the view, and I didn't need to hike any higher on the mountain. As I turned away from the cemetery, I knew that I was there to understand that I wanted to be a flame keeper for the things that I hold true. I reemerged from the pandemic, confirming things I learned during the pandemic, lessons I value like understanding that everyone has a story to tell and that I can't assume I know what those are. I want to listen to tell stories about those things, stories of heart, of purpose, Stories that challenge and provoke change in others and in me. Stories that tumble around in my brain and those of my readers, polishing us all into smooth, shiny stones. How can I do less? As I drove back through the Snake River Canyon to my home and family, the mountain and the sisters of St. Gertrude's Monastery left me a lot to think about. I had indeed done something large, and I'll be forever grateful for their wisdom and love. I came home recommitted to travel writing as philanthropy, to giving to others out of what I've got and what I am. I'm a flame keeper too, not for the Benedictine order or a church, but for my own faith and things that I value. And pandemic or not, I'll spend the rest of my life carrying that flame. Thanks for listening. Good night.